Welcome to the Jiu-Jitsu of Life, a weekly podcast for BJJ enthusiasts who are striving to succeed both on and off the mats. This podcast is brought to you by Robles, makers of the world's finest custom jiu-jitsu apparel. And here are your hosts on the Jiu-Jitsu of Life, Carter Fisk and Mo Siddiqui. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Giving thanks, man. We got uh, our uh, our last podcast should be uploaded today for anyone nice. that you know, was missing us. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Not doing our voices over Hello things. five people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Thanksgiving, man. Um, it was a, a little chaotic here. We had like 10 people at our house, which. Um, Is that normal? No. And in fact, it actually was a good sort of revelation to both of us in terms of going forward, what we want and what we mm. do not want, um, just in general. Because it's like I've never, well, yeah, I've never been a big like having a bunch of people over at my house type of thing. Um, and I, th- I, for a while, I was like, oh, it's because I've got a psychotic dog that is part of it. But even before that, I mean, I never really like I would do something where it's like maybe like one person or a couple or whatever, but um, we've never really had like groups of people over at our house. It's just like, I don't know, to me, it's like I always prefer to meet somewhere because then you can leave versus if people are in your house, you're like, okay, (laughs) how do I get these people out of my house? You know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But this was, um, so. I like, you you know, there should be like music for like the Oscars when you're given a speech too long. Yeah. When you play that music, that's like cue for everyone. You got to get up and go. It's time to go. It's like, again, we're, we're going back to Chappelle again, man, because Chappelle had that on the show. They had the, the wrap it up thing where it's like, you know, someone's talking about wrap it up. So, so yeah, we need that for, um, for house guests too. Um, and, uh, but, but basically the way the situation worked out is that Chantel has a, a good friend from college, like somebody she met like right in the beginning of college. Um, and his sister moved out here a couple years ago. So he and his mom come out. And then it's the sister. But now the sister has a boyfriend. So it's like she wants to bring the boyfriend. But the boyfriend's parents are in town from Mississippi. So she wants to bring the boyfriend and the parents. And then Chantel had a couple of gym friends that uh, didn't really have anywhere to go. So, yeah, we had, I think it was like eight people. So 10 of us all together. Um, did you cater good. or did you cook? No, we cooked. So so she and her friend Chris um, they cooked for like days. Like they, they spent like a full, we, we did like multiple shopping trips and then it was like a day of prep and then a day of cooking. And they got like a, um, sort of like one of these roaster things that you can just plug in. And so we had that in the garage cooking the Turkey. It was a 25 pound Turkey, which is a big Whoa, Turkey. That's huge. Uh, and yeah, just a whole bunch of, you know, sides and things like that. We bought a couple of pies, three pies, only two of which the guests got. We had our own private pie. Always, I, that is wisdom, my brother. I did the exact same it. thing. Yeah, Always buy the private pie, uh, the yeah. private cake. Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Because it's like you don't want people you're like. You're mad. You're like, oh, is there any more? I really wanted to enjoy that cake, but everybody was here, and I don't want to stuff yeah. in my face. And yeah. then I asked my wife, I'm like, hey, can I get a piece of that? And they're like, it's all gone. The guest ate it all. Yeah. And then yeah. I just don't like the guest anymore. And, then and I don't want to. I don't want to feel bad towards the guest. Yeah, you don't want to be mad at them just for eating yeah. all that, eating all your good stuff. But then, so when now I out, buy my own private stash. Yeah. So I have yeah. no one to be mad at. It's just like the movies back when they like, you know, they would be like, "Oh, here's this. Here's my own stash of booze." But Mo and I have our own stash of pie and cake, so <laughs> it's not a problem because it's already done. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah, it was it was good, man. My my dog flipped out on on this one guy though, but like not she didn't bite him or anything. But like she has over the years, we've learned like she has this very specific ritual for people that works well. Like we have to go outside, meet them in the driveway. My my friendly dog sniffs them or whatever. She decides that they're okay, so now she wants to come up and meet the person, and then everything's good. We all go inside. But this, we were going inside. She had already met this guy. And then the door kind of closed. So then he opened the door and in her defense, she had just met this guy and didn't know this guy or whatever. So now she sees someone who she doesn't remember as stranger at door and she just, but I know my dog 
already have her on the leash. She started, <laughs> daddy pulls her back. No harm, no foul. But it was kind of good just to be rem- like reminded. It's sort of like, you know, you got this gun, you're doing whatever. Everyone's, oh, I wonder if this still, <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that still punches a hole in something. Yeah, I probably should be careful where I point this. Every once in a while, it's good to have a little reminder that uh, this is what you. This is why we have all these safety protocols in place. And her friend Chris had had met Sugar many times, and he's like, "Oh, okay. Now I see why you guys do what you do." <laughs> she's she's very scary when she's scared. Um, so, but that was that was all good. Um, but um, yeah, it was. It was good. It was just weird because like half the people, like there was like four people there that like I literally had never met before. And um, are you good at making conversation with people that you've never met before? I, I think I'm like okay. in your home. It, it's kind of different. Like when you're just when it's like this plan, like when you're going somewhere else and it's this planned deal. Like if I if yeah. I invited you over to my house and I'm like, hey, there's going to be a couple of people there. Um, that you've never met before, you'd probably be able to make small talk. But I find it very, like, I can do that very well, but I find it very different and sometimes awkward when it's new people that I'm sitting with for a long period of time that are at my house. Yeah, I I, I agree. I agree. And and it's, you know, it's interesting. You and I talked about this a long time ago, and you said, if you're an introvert, situations like that just drain you of energy. And if you're an extrovert, they, they give you energy. Because I was telling Chantel that, and she's like, well, I guess I'm an introvert, too, because we were just both just exhausted at the end. And she, I mean, she rightfully so, because she and Chris spent all day cooking. I mean, they were literally cooking from about 9.30 in the morning. The cleanup is the hard part. Until, and then there was the cleanup, too. So it was like we weren't done until, um, I don't remember, like 8 or 9 at night. So it was like a 12-hour thing. And we were both like, I don't think we're going to do this anymore. <laughs> like, cause it's like for, for years we would have just a couple people over and we would just, we wouldn't cook turkey. We would just cook, cook a jambalaya, make ourselves a little, little Cajun theme thing. And it was great. And it was fun, whatever. But it's like, man, when it's that many people and it's like, cause th- there's like the people. And then like, now that the dog freaked out, I'm like, okay, I literally just had the dog on like on leash the entire time. And half the time I'm talking, I'm just making sure that she's all right. Even though I'm like, okay, I know she's going to be all right, but it's like, she's already got a couple strikes against her from her previous You never year. know 100%, though. You never know 100%. And so, um, yeah, it just made it, like, kind of stressful and just sort of, like, when everyone left, it was, like, a big relief. And I'm, like, I'm just, it, it was, I don't know, I think it's important when you get older to start questioning everything. Like, why am I doing this? Like, do I get anything? Does it make me money or does it make me happy? Because... This didn't either, <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> and and her friend is a good dude. He's a great guy. He's uh, he's into um he has a bunch of fashion brands that are getting into, I think fa- Saks Fifth Avenue and stuff like that. Like wow. his designs and stuff like that. So it's I mean he's he's doing well. I keep I keep saying, man, I think you need a Central Texas distribution hub, possibly Temple, Texas. Where could you find good warehouse property? And like I think he thought I was legitimately, um, you know, sort of trying to sell him on it. You, you, well, I, what, the way I look at it is, is that you were, you had already come to the conclusion that this event was not making you yeah. happy. Yeah. So why not make just it, throw it, up. Just throw it know, up. Yeah. maybe it'll make you some money. And then, yeah. and then well, you can walk away saying, Hey, I made some that, money from this. That's the thing, you know, because I think that's another good thing to think about is that, so you and I talked last time about like the idea of creating a little jujitsu club or whatever. And so what I did after that is I, I just looked at the two areas that I would really be interested in, like and for Austin people, this is or for not Austin people, this won't be exciting, but just north, like north on 35, north on 183 of where I live. Cause I'm like, okay, I'm going up to north all the time anyway. Um, I don't want to go south because you got to go through downtown. It's too much traffic. And most of the guys I train with live up north. You're an exception, but we're going, you know, you got your own spot anyway. So we'll go there. Um and I'm like, I just started, I just set up a search on LoopNet and Crexy because I'm just like, I'm just going to start looking because it's like one of those things that there's so easy to talk yourself out of being able to do something before you even start. And then it was funny because I sort of taught myself this lesson again. And then this guy, Chris, my wife's friend, he was talking about, you know, he's like, you know, I'm, I'm having some pretty good years. I'm thinking about buying some investment property. And we were going back and forth and I was like, you know, I really... And much more into commercial now. And he kind of lives in a, a live work situation where it's like a loft and then it's a warehouse type of thing. And I'm like, man, 
something like that would be a really good investment because it's so versatile. You could have, I love it. you know, I people, and, and I was like, I, I told him about LoopNet and I started looking through it and I found something that was within his price range. I'm like, this would be interesting. And just, I'm like, just talk to a commercial broker, tell him what you're looking for and just start looking at stuff because you're, you're talking yourself out of it being, Oh, it's this, it's that. I'm like, commercials different anyway. And, and you never know as like, who's looking to sell like like that like the storylines that we see from being an entrepreneur and being somebody who buys real estate there's always a part of the story where it's like i need to sell now in people's lives for whatever reason death disease divorce you know something bad is happening the company folds you, you were all you know the company was all about the ftx crypto thing and now it's just, oh, like oh god like i need to sell this thing now um you know so whatever it might be somebody's at that point in the story. And if you're looking right at that point, then beautiful things can happen for both people because the person looking to sell now, I've been in these situations where it's like, I would much rather sell now and lose X amount of money than wait. Even if I'm going to make more money, I need to sell it now. And like you, don't, been, you don't know. You don't know if you're going to make more money. Yeah, you right? don't. And, that, and I was thinking about that today that um, one of the things that I've learned from speaking of crypto um, the first time around in it, I held on to a lot of crypto instead of taking some profits yeah. when I should have. And that was because I was buying into too much of the hype, right? Like, oh, you know, in other words, I was more into um, potential profits as opposed yes. to actual profits. Actual yep. Yep. And now at being more seasoned, um, I am much more, you know, bird in hand is better than two in, two in the bush. Yes. And, and people, you know, it's funny. So I was, I was talking about this as well during the Thanksgiving thing, because we were talking about the house that Chantel and I used to live in, um, in Bolden Creek, which is just south of the river, just, um, just south of downtown Austin. And we really loved living there at the time. Like it was great. I could walk to the hike and bike place. I mean, like it was just, just close to a lot of stuff and there was always cool things going on. You could walk to restaurants and all that kind of thing. And but like now when I go down that area, I'm like, oh, God, this is like it's too Austin for me. Everyone's too cool. And a guy's got a, a swirly mustache. And he's like, oh, it's everything. oh, daddy, oh, or whatever the hell. I don't know what's happening, but it's, it's too cool for me. And then the guy was asking me, he's like, you know, he's like, well, how much did you sell that house for? I'm like, it's probably about 350,000 bucks. And it was about nine, about nine years ago, nine and a half years ago. Um, and he's like, well, what's the house worth now? I'm like, probably close to a million bucks. And he's like, oh, I'm like, you know, people always talk about that. of like, oh, I wish I had never sold. But what they forget is all those years in between, you have to pay for that property. Like the property taxes have probably quadrupled or quintupled on that, number one. Number two, the house built in the 40s, man. You're going to have waistline issues. You're going to have foundation issues. You're going to have potential rot. Like there's, there's so many things that happen that costs money on something that costs time and stress and all that. And then the situation I was in, we were moving back to California. So I would have had to been an out-of-state landlord and like all that, just things I didn't want to be. And plus I needed the money. I needed the money for, for various different things. And so it made sense to sell at the time and I made a profit on it and it was the right thing to do. And it's again, like you said, burden the hand two in the burden the hand two in the bush. Yeah. Burden the hand two in the bush. Because with these things, it's like you never know what else is going to happen between then and now? All people look at is like, oh, if I just held on to this for another 10 years, it's like you could literally say that about almost anything right now. But holding on to something is another opportunity cost. Because you think about it, like literally, if opportunity is, you know, let's say you're, it's like the little balls from the lottery and you got to catch them and you're holding on to things. Well, you can't let, you can't grab something else because you're too busy holding on to this thing. So it's like the opportunity sometimes is literally letting go of something to grab something else. There is a, there is something to be said for that. So, yes. um, so yeah, it was, it was interesting to have this conversation with this guy though, and just be like, you know, just start, just talk to a commercial broker, start looking at stuff, start looking at stuff in your price range. And you never know who you're going to meet because of that or what's going to happen. Like, like you're putting energy out there in the universe. You're going out there it's amazing the things that'll happen and it may be nothing to do with what you're in 
your original intention was. Maybe it's like you meet a new business contact that has nothing to do with real estate. Like maybe the person selling is somebody who could be great or you, you fall in love or whatever it might be. Like by being out there, it's like- Or he meets the people that own Robles and yeah. they do a collab. Yeah. I know that was gonna happen. That'd be amazing. That'd be amazing. <laughs> I, I, I was gonna say that actually, it, it would be actually interesting if you guys would meet because I know he's having issues with his, um, the, the technical, like the sewing part of things and, and different things like that. And they've, so they've is gone. he doing his own, uh, is he coordinating his own manufacturing overseas? He is right now. Yeah. And I think they just changed recently. They were in Colombia for a long time and now they are somewhere East. I think he said, but he was very ambiguous as to where that was. So that might there's, that I could mean, be there's so there. many different countries in, yeah. you know, East. Uh, yeah, exactly. uh, are all in in in, um, in that trade? Yeah, so. yeah, I agree. But it was yeah, it would be, actually be would, would be interesting for you guys to talk at some point because um, your situation is very interesting and unique, and I'd be curious to hear more about the nuts and bolts of his situation as well. Because I mean, that's and and I you know again, that's why I love commercial broker or real estate because it's like just talking to somebody who's got warehouse space and then talking whatever it's like I, I love getting to learn about what they do in their business it's it, it's like one of the best perks of the job so so yeah I think that that's sort of putting that energy out there is, is good it's like it's like the I think Scott Adams said if you want to be successful go where there's the most energy go like like you, you never know what's going to happen, but you do know if you stay somewhere that's sort of low energy and low opportunity, most likely nothing's going to happen. But if you go where there's more energy, more opportunity, there's just so much more chance for something to happen. So yeah. no, I, uh, I'd love to meet him because I'm sure there's a lot I can learn from his experiences. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Next, I will have to see. See now, now next Thanksgiving is looking pretty good because now I got, <laughs> I got to oh, do. So he, doesn't, he doesn't even live in the area. No, he lives in L.A. Yeah, he lives oh, okay. like yeah, his his sister lives out here. So ah, okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, it was it was uh, it was it was good in the sense of maybe realizing well, people are moving out to Austin, aren't they? Is this the new LA? You know, it's funny. He actually said that at one point. He's like, I think this place is worse than LA in a lot of ways, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't know. That's it's weird though, because I feel like I had one foot out the door for a while here. But ever since the hurricane in Fort Myers, I'm like, well, can't commit to that now. I mean, yeah. I can commit to that for like a couple months out of the year, but there's no way I'm investing somewhere that's had a hurricane like that. And people are like, well, it'll never happen again. I'm like, <laughs> that's what a fool says. Because yeah. <laughs> to me, it's like once it happens, it's like all bets are off. And from an insurance point of view, all bets are off. Because it's yeah. like, you know. And it just has to do, I think, a lot with. Again, you don't want to make decisions on what you don't know, right? Like you want to try to make decisions on on, on probability, evidence, things like yeah. that. Um, but, so I think a lot of those types of decision making is going to come down to um, what are you comfortable with, right? Yeah. That's what it really yeah. comes down to because it's just your risk tolerance. Yeah. And for some people, they, they may be able to tolerate that risk uh, a little bit more. They may have... Uh, you know what what whatever it is um they they just may be able to feel like the probability of their success by investing over there is fine but it's just it's risk tolerance and i think a lot of it in in business is the answer is it depends right it's always it depends it does. you know because hindsight is always 2020 going yeah. back to you know oh my god i should have kept on to you know i should have held on to that asset um yeah. And, you know, I've talked to other people. John Fedro was one of them. When I asked him, I, you know, in the beginning, he was flipping a lot of stuff. And then, you know, I ask him now, and I'm like, what's the worst real estate investment you've ever done? And he's like, well, it's the house that I sold or it's the investment property that I sold. He goes, I wish I would have still had that. But yeah. hindsight's 20-20. The reason he doesn't have it is because in the beginning, it, it depends. And yeah. it depends means he was trying to, uh, you know, raise capital, yeah. right? So he yeah. wanted to let go of that investment so he can jump into raising more capital and doing bigger and better deals. Yeah. But now that he's already in this place of being able to do bigger and better deals, he looks back and he's like, oh, I wish I would have still had that. Right? right. But if he would have still had that, he wouldn't be he wouldn't where be he's at. Exactly. exactly. So it's, always, it's, yeah. it's, it's just the answer to that question. There is no right or wrong answer. It's just it depends. Where are you at and what makes the best what makes the most sense right now? 
That yeah. is the that you know that's the most important thing I I think in the conversation Carter yeah. is now because yes. the future doesn't exist the past doesn't exist yeah. the only thing that's actually real is right now so what makes the most sense right now and a lot of times what I see when I study successful people financially uh, successful people is how they make decisions yeah. people that are not successful financially and I used to be one of these people they they make decisions based on hypotheticals. And like, um, it's like they're, they're, we're constantly have this lottery mindset. Like yeah. if I hold on a little bit longer, I can make more money. I can, yeah. and you're trying to time the top and you can't, yeah. Yeah. you can't time the top, uh, because all of this stuff is very unpredictable. So you go back to being your more seasoned, uh, investor, uh, is going to be someone that's like, Hey, uh, uh well, as a, a, um, who's the guy that we like to listen to in real estate, John, uh, no, not John Fedro. What's the other? It's the other oh, guy's name. Tom McKay. Tom McKay. Yeah. Uh, profits never hurt. Profit yeah. never hurts, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, um, bird in a hand is better than two in the bush. And yeah. and that because I I think that more people it, it, it's like when you when you when somebody goes to Las Vegas and they win money, yeah. they're like, oh, I went to Las Vegas and I won a thousand bucks on the slot machine. But they don't yeah. tell you the backstory of that, right? Like they put in yeah. ten thousand bucks before yeah. they won the thousand <laughs> yeah, exactly. bucks, right? Yeah. And that's yeah. what most people are doing that don't know how to invest when they're investing. That's what yeah. they're doing in investing, right? They're like, oh, I made a thousand dollars, but they're not letting you know that they lost ten thousand dollars on the on, on the the front end of the whole deal. Um, yeah. So because they're they're constantly thinking, or someone is in their ear, hey, this thing could be worth more money. It could be worth more money. It could yeah. be worth more money, and then they just hold on to it for for too long now when you're at a point where it's like i am financially if you believe that you are financially indestructible right and and uh then you can take different risks and you can hold on to assets a lot longer you can hold on to assets indefinitely and because now you're playing from a strategic standpoint of even if this asset went to zero i'm financially indestructible it doesn't hurt me one way or the other yeah yeah and i think that to me, the biggest shift over the last, I'd say, two years has been I'm more focused on investing in an area than in a particular asset or something like that. So like right now, my, my area is Temple. So, you know, what I've done over the last couple of years, I'm selling off homes in other places. I've, I've got the last East Texas home. We got some crap offer yesterday, but I, I think we're close to getting offers from some other people. It's a nice house. Like I went through it. I'm like, man, this is a nice house. We did a lot of work on it. Um, and it's, I would say, almost a neutral deal in terms of how I'll do just because I had two crap contractors in, in a three-year period um, rip me off on that house. So I'm like, all right, it's time to, it's just time to get out of that area. Um, but yeah, so part of it to me is just consolidating down. And then it's, you know, I look at the properties I've got and I'm like, I still believe that big things are coming to the downtown. I know the players involved. I know the banks involved. I know the developers. I go there multiple times a week and I see the work that's being done and I see how much money has been invested by these these different companies. And I read what's happening, what's, hap- what's going to be happening, what businesses are going to be moving there who the intent is to get to live in these areas and all the different things. And I'm like, okay, I'm playing the long game on this. So I'm not so worried about like, oh, is the rent going to go up? Even though the rents have gone up nicely on these, these houses that I got, but it's much more that living close to downtown is going to matter in a good positive way within the next five years there in a way it never has before or hasn't for a long, long time. And that's my bet. And if I'm wrong in that bet, it's like, okay, then I'll just, you know, at a certain point, then maybe it makes sense to sell, even though my cost basis is super low in these things and they're still getting rented out super fast um, versus the the flip mentality. You're right. I mean, that that's about building up capital. Um, sometimes you're just in a position where it's like, it's time to sell. And I've been in those positions many, many times. And I, you know, coming up after I get the next project done I might be in that position again because you know the idea of going to something significantly bigger. It's like, well, do I sell the portfolio of warehouses that I have in hopes of developing something bigger? Do I use those as leverage to try and do something bigger? I mean, both have pluses and minuses. I mean, you sell the thing. It's like, man, you sold this beautiful thing that you made. This is terrible. Um, but if you leverage it, that's riskier because you know leveraging something now. It's like. Um, 
now you're you're borrowing money on something and it's like if if one thing goes down it could this is how people collapse this is how empires collapse because they do have a lot of debt and one thing falls through and that affects the next thing and the next thing and soon enough they don't have enough positive to outweigh all the negative they've gotten all the overhead they've got so it's it's all stuff to consider, you know. It's all you know, stuff. that's another um, something that I'm playing with here a little bit. So, we, you know, in 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 all our businesses, we've we've been fortunate enough that we've never taken out a loan. We've we we built from the ground up. All our yeah. capital is from. And look, I you know, we got it's pretty a, lucky with some of the the flips that we did to to raise some of the capital. And I, I'll take luck any day of the week. Yeah. I, I think it's a wonderful thing, and uh, I would you know I want more of it. Um, but we're very grateful and we're very fortunate. Yeah. But the more and more and more I study like wealthy people, and again, it, yeah. it, the, the answer to the question is it depends. There's no right or yeah. wrong answer. There's just yeah. what's right for you, what's wrong for you. But the, the more I study like some of the wealthiest people, people like Kurt Kerkorian, right? Um, they learn to master uh, their ability to leverage money, to leverage yeah. other people's money. Yeah. And so I've been revisiting that idea lately and one of the things, so I'm trying to figure out, well, what makes a per like, how, how does a person master leverage? How, and, and the only thing I can come up with, and the only thing that makes me feel comfortable is you have to be able to, um, you, you have to be able to back, back up the debt with actual liquid, uh, cash. So yeah. in other words, if I take out a hundred thousand dollar loan, it's because I have a hundred thousand dollars in cash that if I lost that money, I could repay it back. Yeah, that's the yeah. thing. Yeah. And people are like, well, why would you why would you do that if you have the hundred thousand dollars cash? Right. And I used to be one of those people like it didn't make sense to me. Why not just use one hundred thousand dollars cash? Well, there's a there's a, actually a lot of very good reasons on why you would want to leverage the money, because now you have maybe doubled your capital. Right. Um, if you're cash flowing in your business where it's it's being able to pay off that debt pretty easily then you want to you want to you want to be able to leverage that and especially yeah. if you can bring if if that if that money um if you have it back with liquid cash but yeah. the money that you're borrowing you know that you can leverage it into more money i.e uh human capital or what i like to say i've been writing in my journal lately i want to i want to be more instead of mastering a financial leverage or monetary leverage i want to be able to learn to master human genius Right. Like, oh, okay. uh, the, the talents of other people. Right. Okay. And what allows me to do that is, is money. Like people yeah. don't want to be entrepreneurs, but they're yeah. so smart. They're so yeah. smart yeah. and they can take your company to a whole nother level. So that's true. This, this that's other true. cash can allow me to hire these yeah. geniuses and I can yeah. leverage their genius to propel the business up. Yeah. I mean, there's, that is a, very true point. And, um, you know, I'm thinking about this a lot. Like, again, I'm already thinking about what like 2024, 2025 type projects, because 2023, I've got, I think, pretty locked in with what the, the project's going to be. But I think about that, like, and it's sort of very similar in real estate terms, you'd call this um, syndicating. So it's like, you know, the idea of you get multiple investors to invest money. I've seen people do it in warehouse projects where they actually get the investors to invest money so that they don't use a bank to finance the deal. They get the property built, they get it rented out. Then they go to a bank and get a loan. They use that loan money to pay off the investors, but they've been giving the investors like a dividend the whole time as well. Um, and, and this is a way to essentially do something significantly larger than you would be able to do on your own or larger sooner. Why did they not go to the bank first? It is, is it because they can't so, they, 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 they can't raise the cap. They, they the bank wouldn't loan the money on something that's unproven yet. There's probably that is probably one of the possibilities, uh, especially at the time that these guys were doing this. Um, they're experienced investors, but not particularly experienced in this type of. They do uh, apartments, so multifamily. They didn't. I think this is their first non-multifamily construction deal. Um, they've done some construction on houses and things like that, but I, I think this is the first. So, so the inexperience, um, at the time they were doing this, this is right when rate hikes and stuff like that were coming up. So it becomes more expensive. And I think also they had a big network of investors and it's kind of one of those things that when you've got investors, 
you kind of want to keep them investing with you because if they're looking to actively invest, and let's say a project is just finished, they've gotten their return, they've made their money. If they don't, if you don't have something more for them to invest in, they're probably going to find someone else. And now when you hit them up, they're like, all my money's tied up. So there's probably part of that as well. Um, and that has an appeal. But to me, the big downside that I see is now I feel like I've lost my autonomy. Now I feel like I'm working for multiple investors. Um, and I don't know if I like that or not. Because it's like, you know, right now it's just me. It's me and the bank. And having the bank as a partner is a pain in the ass. I mean, there's, there's no two ways about it. They want an enormous amount of information. Like they want the same information over and over again. They're but slow. Pretty much once they give you, once they give you the money, they're out of the deal. They just want, they did, they just want their, their note to be paid. Pretty much. Although they still want financial statements even after the fact and all that, but, but that's okay. I mean, I, that's just them being a good bank. Um, with investors, you, you're dealing with a lot of different personality types, a lot of different, some want to have a ton of information, some don't care as long as they get the money. Um, and I've been on deals that were like, from an investor point of view, I've been in ones that are like, um, one in particular where I, I looked at the property after I was already in the deal. I'm like, I should have looked at the property beforehand because it was, it was in Dallas and it was near where my mom was living. So I thought I knew the area, but I forgot, dude, it's Dallas. And people who don't know Dallas, you can literally have like a beautiful neighborhood, fenced in, blah, blah, blah. Not even a block away, you're in the projects. Like literally, you are, it's, it is crazy. And then Houston, another block. There, there's parts of Houston that are very Houston much like that. that. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like just so quick to change on, on a dime. So that's how this was. It was like, you know, nice area, nice mall, nice this, nice that. Two blocks later, you're like, ooh. Things have changed quickly. So I've been in deals like that that have worked out, but it's like, oof, do we dodge a bullet? Probably literally with this deal. Um, so <laughs> I, I don't know. Like I, I've thought about it because I've talked to different people I know from those things and they're like, oh yeah, man, I would, you know, I've gotten a lot of positive feedback in terms of willingness of people to do it. Um, I just don't know if I want to do it because I kind of like the idea of, we go back to Tom McKay. He's like, I've had one business partner in my life and it was just somebody who helped find me a deal and I paid him money to buy him out of the deal and that was it. He's got his mentorship group and stuff like that, which is different, but he's kind of always done it himself. And I see personally more value in doing that. It's and slow, that's what it's about. Right? But it, like, but it's, again, know, it's there's no right or wrong answer. It's just, yeah. that's the beauty of entrepreneurship and being a business owner is you get to decide yeah. you know, how you're going to take your next step forward. And there's some people that for them, um, I'm sure they've been very successful syndicating. I'm, I'm sure they've been very successful. You know, you, again, we read stories about Kurt Kerkorian, who's, yeah. you know, been able yeah. to raise money and have investors yeah. and all that type of thing. And yeah. it, 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 that style worked for him and he, and he operated well in that yeah. environment. Yeah. And then there's some people that is just like, no, nah, that doesn't make sense for me. There's yeah. some people when you go to a business, uh, when you shift in it from real estate to business where they're, uh, they're completely fine with run, with having a thousand employees. And then there's some business owners that are like, you tell them they're going to be, you know, managing a thousand employees and they're just like overwhelmed. They don't know how to, you know, that's just, they're not comfortable in that environment. And for them choosing a different path, um, is much, much better. So it's, you yeah. know, again, I think it just comes it down depends. to the investor. And yeah. as long as you're successful in doing what you, and accomplishing what you want to accomplish, yeah, then there's really no right or wrong answer, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I mean, you know, because I've known people that, I knew another guy, um, he lived here, now he lives in Denver. And he was a great sort of uh, success story. He was, he was a mechanic for, uh, he worked on Lexus cars. Smart guy, young guy too. He's probably like early 30s now. When I met him, he's still in his late 20s. And somehow along the way, I think on Bigger Pockets or something like that, he befriended a guy who's a writer on the show, um, Family Guy, the cartoon. Mm -hmm. So this guy was like a, a wealthy writer who had, you know, sort of that situation. The guy's making good money, so he needs something, some sort of tax write. He lives in California, so he certainly would like some tax write-offs and is making good money but doesn't necessarily have a lot of time. 
And so for people that are coming up that don't have a lot of money, this is the type of person you want to find. Somebody who you can instill trust in in yourself, who you have the time to look at stuff and analyze stuff and figure out that part. They've got the money. They don't have the time or they don't have the know-how or they just don't want to do it. So somehow along the way, he, he partnered up with this guy and they were buying apartments in Austin and in Denver and in Los Angeles and all this stuff. And this guy was just putting down, you know, 30%, 35% on these deals. So they didn't have, they had a lot more cushion than like these 20% down deals in terms of like, you don't have to be making as much money every month in the deal if you're putting more money into it, which some people look at as bad. They're like, oh, you're not using leverage. And as we always say, like, dude, leverage goes both ways. When you arm lock somebody, you love leverage. When you feel your elbow about to pop, you hate leverage. Leverage goes both ways. And when 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 interest rates go up and things like that, that 20% down that seems so cool, it seems less cool when all of a sudden you're you're underwater. You're spending more money than you're making each month on a property. So these guys, I think they may have finally done a syndication deal eventually, but for the first probably 10 deals that they did, they didn't. Um, and so there's a lot of different ways to do it. My, my issue with, with doing syndication and stuff like that is you have to have a little bit more of a public profile a lot of times, it seems like. Um, I don't want that at this point. Maybe I will at some point, and I certainly was on social media before and, and did a little bit of things like that. And of course did you know best-selling uh, jiu-jitsu of life, jiu-jitsu instructional stuff too on YouTube. But I don't know if I wanna do any of that stuff anymore. Like I don't, I don't know if I wanna be out there pimping myself as some sort of expert or, or whatever. I kind of like that I'm just behind the scenes doing my thing, uh, um, meeting the people I need to meet. You know, obviously I got the contacts that I need for for these type of jobs. But um, in terms of courting escort, um, you know, uh, I was gonna say courting escorts. <laughs> it's funny, uh, <laughs> investors, not escorts. That's weird. What does that mean? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I just, yeah, I, I just don't want to. Um, yeah, I just, I just don't know if I want to do that right now. And the other thing too is I think that the problem when you start getting other people involved is, you know, there's a little bit of group think, there's a little bit of group excitement that can start happening with things. And I see this from some of these investment groups where it's like, man, I feel like you're starting to do bad deals. You're starting to do deals that people are excited about versus deals that actually make sense. Um, so I don't know, for now, I'm not going to do it. I would say for yeah. the next couple of years, I'm not going to do it. It may change yeah. after a couple of years, but it may not. My financial position theoretically should be much better in a couple of years. So I still may not need to do it for the next deal. Um, so I may not. I yeah. Know. And for me, I think that's a very important thing. I've, I've never taken on any partners. I remember early on, I wanted to take on partners only for the reason I didn't have the capital. Right. Yeah. yeah. And now that I have the capital, I'm like, Ooh, I don't want any partners simply yeah. because I don't like, I, you know, it, having a partnership is all great when everybody's on the same page, but as soon as I want to go left and they want to go right now, there's this argument about, you know, what's going on. And and I just don't want to be in that type of situation. Yeah. Um, But I, but I I think this is an important, I I think about the future, right. And I'm not opposed to having partnerships. I want to keep my mind open to everything. I just know where I'm at now. Right. Right. Right now I'm completely comfortable and fine with not having any partners. However, I'll never say no to anything if the right circumstances present themselves and the right opportunities present themselves. And I, I, I'm a very instinctual and, you know, I listen to my gut a lot. If it feels yeah. right, then I'll probably do it. And I've thought yeah. about it a little bit, like what's going to make the right partner. Here's the thing is so, so far, if, if the partner is not an experienced business person, yeah. um, and it doesn't even have to be an experienced person. I'll, t- I'll tell you what I'm really, really looking for more than anything. If, but if they don't have this quality, then I want them to be a silent partner. In other words, you can put up your money, you will yeah. receive profits, but you will have zero say in how we and 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 yeah. how and how we move forward and what plays we call, yeah. right? Um, and the person that I'm looking for doesn't necessarily have to have like super great business acumen, but they have to have these mental models. They have to be good problem solvers yeah. and be able to. Um, uh, separate emotion from from yeah. the from the problem, right? Yeah. And just be like, okay, I'm gonna run this. I'm gonna run this uh, problem through a mental model and several different types of mental models, and and see what solutions we come up with. I think that person is the ideal person um, to 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 partner with for yeah. sure. Yeah, and you know, just going back to what you were saying about debt. Um, I believe this is true. I've heard him say it. I, I 
I've not confirmed this, but I think that Dave Ramsey said that his company's never taken on any debt because he's a big guy. He's a big advocate of not taking on debt. In I general. did a research. I, yeah. And you know what? I have never, I, I never really listened to Dave Ramsey. Yeah. Um, and again, I don't right or I, you know, there's no yeah. right or wrong, obviously yeah. for him, whatever he's doing is, is right. Cause I, isn't he like close to being a billionaire or something? I don't know. I think he's doing pretty but good. He has a lot of yeah. money apparently, yeah. but I want to look back and see how he made his money because how he yeah. made his money, I don't think it's very, I, you know, I, I don't think it's the way he's the, the, what, what, like what he's preaching to me is that like very old school philosophy. And I think he knows his audience. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I have family members that, that live and die by what Dave Ramsey says. Yeah. Um, and, and they're paying off their house and they're eliminating all their debt. And I, and yeah. I think those are all sound and, and true yeah. principles. I just don't know. I want to do more research on Dave Ramsey and see how yeah. he came up with all that money because it's, it's hard to make that much money doing like doing what he's talking about doing the average person that's working like, you know, a $50,000 job is, yeah. is is not going to become financially wealthy. Well, I think, and it's interesting too, because I wonder if his point is that debt, like sort of drowning in debt, or I guess you could say debt is what drowns most people in America. Like they live beyond their means in every step of the way. They're living in a house that they can't really afford. They're driving cars on payments. They're doing everything on payments. And yes, you won't be rich if you have no payments, but you will have no debt. And usually it's the accumulation of debt that sinks a lot of people's ships. So um, I, I think that's probably his point. And that's an interesting philosophical question. I mean, would you rather have, um, you know, let's say $2 million in assets that you own free and clear? Or would you rather have $10 million that you have, you know, let's say $8 million worth of debt? I mean, you still have $2 million of equity, but you have $8 million of debt, like which is more valuable, you know? Yes. Um, I was looking, I was, man, because I, I had taken a note recently because um, I was going over this with my son about about debt. Yeah. Um, and there's, um, I think, what, I, and I think that's 100% correct. And I think that the people that are drowning, it's from personal debt. Usually, yeah. Although businesses all the time, I mean, we're seeing with, with um, you know, one thing that, that people are like up in arms with all the stuff that's happening with Twitter. I'm not one of those people. I find it, uh, I just feel like it's the richest man in the world and he's having a good time. And it's fun to watch. It's just fun to watch. But, um, but one thing with Twitter is that it has lost enormous amounts of money over the last few years, like enormous amounts of money. And when you're in a situation where you've got your bleeding money like that, there's a couple of things you got to do. I mean, it's, it's pretty basic, but you have to stop losing so much money. And you also have to figure out how to make more money. And I know this sounds like sort of no shit Sherlock stuff, but, but the easiest thing to do right away is stop losing so much money. And one big way you do that is you got to fire a bunch of people. I mean, that's, yeah. you got to like, that's, they were in a situation where you're in an economic boom and you're in a company that really didn't have to make money. It's just, it's a stock. So you, people have to get excited about the stock. But the problem with that is sooner or later, those things have to start making money. They have to. Otherwise, it just it sinks after a while. And that's why you have all these things where the, the stock goes way up and these people become billionaires and then this company crashes down like, you know, AOL, like the, the guy who founded it made a billion dollars. Why is there no AOL anymore? Because it's like it does, was never really making money and then eventually it crashes down. So he's with, with companies like that. It's like you have to start firing people. You have to start cutting expenses. Um, so it definitely happens in, in business. But I, but I agree with you. I think in America. The reason most individual people suffer, and, and we know people like this. I, I know people in their 50s and 60s that still have enormous, they still have student debt. I know multiple people in their 50s and 60s that they weren't students in their 40s or 30s. They were students in their teens and their 20s, and they still have enormous amounts of student debt um, yeah. that will probably never get paid off. So, yeah. and, um, and, and, and I think, and the student debt is, is you know, I, I don't even, you know, I don't... I don't even, it is, it's personal debt, Yeah. but, the, but it's, I'm talking about more of like, you go to the, you go to the mall yeah. and they're like, open up a credit card with us and we'll yeah. give you 10% off your thing. 
Yeah. Man, there are people that do it every single time, time because they just don't understand what is happening, right? And then they max out that credit card. Yeah. And and they're maxing out the credit card at the Foot Locker. My yeah. brother, that's yeah. not how you're going to, you know, if, if you you shouldn't have credit cards to Foot Locker. You shouldn't have credit cards to Banana Republic. Yeah. Uh, s- stuff like that, right? And And you're right. There's probably people in their 50s and 60s. And they will apply for every card that you offer them. They will max out every single card and you will never, ever, ever. It's, it's hard. Um, when, when you're, when you're paying interest on personal debt, yeah, you, you're never going to make any money. You got to pay off all you got, you got to, you got to reduce personal, personal debt. But if you, if, if you're a student, and I, and again, I haven't done this, right? But this is what I'm trying to figure out because, I, again, I, I haven't used debt or leveraged debt. Yeah. But um, when you're someone like you that you typically are really, really doing your due diligence, really doing your numbers. I mean, I, 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 I was there with you on, on, in the front row as you were, like, putting together numbers for your warehouses on, like, okay, this is what's going to make a good deal. This is what's going to make a bad deal. This one little yeah. thing over here happens. It's going to turn this whole thing into a crap deal. I'm not going to yeah. do it that, you know, if, yeah. I, if we have to go that route. Um, and when you're doing your due diligence like that, then, um, yeah, I, I would say that using debt, um, uh, it can be super, super, super powerful. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Personal debt. Yeah, yeah. you, you got to get your mind right. Like, what are you trying to accomplish? If you're the type of person that's like, oh, I want to be financially independent. I yeah. eventually want to become a person that's financially indestructible. Yeah. Then you typically not the type of person that's going to the footlocker to yeah. open up a credit card. Though, Like yeah. I'm telling you, Warren Buffett's not going to the footlocker. And, and when they say, Mr. Buffett, would you like to open up a credit card today and save 10% off your purchase? I can guarantee yeah. you he's like, yeah, yeah, sign me up, you know? Um, it's, it's, if, if, if wealthy people for, for, for personal purchases, if they can't yeah. buy it cash, then yeah. they're not going to buy it at all. That's yeah. just I bottom mean, Yeah. Well, and there's, there's a big peer pressure element, I think, to a lot of debt too, because people, it's like, they want to rush things. They want to live in a neighborhood that they can't really afford and send their kids to schools that they can't really afford and stuff like that. Um, and I guess it's like, I would rather be rich and look comfortable than be just keeping up and look like super rich. And I've met people like that. Like I, I, I actually was the landlord of a, of an individual of basically like part of his family. And this guy had his own plane. This guy had like a huge mansion. He had all these things. Um, and he was, he declared bankruptcy, I think five years after that. And he would spend money like it was nothing. He would just talk about like, oh, just, yeah, I went to this store. And we, you know, just, he was very like that. Um, it was a good lesson for me. Like the people that were real, just like, oh, whatever with money, they all went bankrupt. Like I knew three of them. And I was thinking about it. Yeah, I did. They all went bankrupt. And it's just, it's, it's funny to think about that because they all had like flashy cars and flashy this and they were sharp dressers or whatever. And I'm like, I would rather just, not do any of that and not talk about that and drive a a mom car like I drive like there's literally five moms on my street that have the same car as me I probably should get a little bit more of a macho car at some point but whatever it's a nice car um so I I would rather have that and just blend in and and not, not have anyone take any notice of me and then build up an empire that the right people know I own, but most people don't even know. I'd rather I'll have that anonymity. That's, that's, but that's a very wise, that's a very mature and wise person, someone that's been around long enough. It's that's yeah. a mindset because yeah. the, 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 the flex when the, the flex when you're young, right? Like yeah, at, that's you know, true. you're in your twenties is yeah. like, it's all about, you think everybody's thinking about you. So you want to, yeah. you want to present yourself in a certain way. And reality is you don't, you, you learn later in life that nobody's really thinking about you. They're only thinking about yeah. themselves, right? That's just yeah. the reality. That's not anything else except what human nature is. Yeah. Um, the flex at, at and, and, and so, you know, I was that person, you know, I'm yeah. in my twenties. I'm thinking everybody's thinking about me and everybody, yeah. all eyes are on me. No, nobody, I know now that nobody even, <laughs> you know, knew who I was. Um, but I probably invested money on stupid stuff thinking yeah. that people were uh, paying attention to me. Yeah. yeah. Now the flex for me 
is all about, and as I get, the older and older I get, it becomes more and more important, is all peace of mind. Peace yeah. of mind. That's yeah, it. If peace yeah. of, and so when you, when you're living a, a lifestyle that, that's, that's smoke and mirrors, you know, you're, you're trying to, uh, you're, you're, you're trying to present yourself as having X amount of dollars yeah. and you don't have that. Yeah. There is no peace of mind because yeah, you're, you're it's, it's a house of cards. I yeah. guarantee you every night, uh, Sam Bankman Freed's probably being like, Oh my yeah. God, you know, it's yeah. over. It's over. Yeah. Um, yeah. and you don't want to be, you don't want to be that person, right? Like living, you're literally living from check to check or less. And you know, that it's just a matter of time, a strong, a uh, 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 strong gust of wind comes and it's going to yeah. blow your house down. Right. I'd rather much be like, you know what? Exactly. Like you said, I, I, I may not have the biggest house. I may not have the fanciest car. I may not have the, my, my seats are pretty decent, but they're not thousand dollar suits. Right. Yeah. I, I have maybe a couple of those, but, um, <laughs> It's more much about when I'm laying on my couch with my wife and my son, and I know that yeah. tomorrow everything I have is going to be here, and and there would have to be World War Three for me yeah. to lose yeah. what pretty much what I what I have, right? Yeah. And that peace of mind helps me sleep like a baby at night. Yeah, I agree. And, I, I, and I put a price on that, you know. I, I agree. I agree. It's it's interesting. That's another reason I like Tom McKay because outside of the car that he drives. And I think he only got that car recently because he used to be, drive a truck in his old videos. And the way he dresses, like, and you can tell he's just sort of a working class dude that that did well for himself. Um, my father-in-law is that way too. He's been very successful, and he just he's got the mustache, the long hair. Like he he doesn't dress fancy at all. Like you know, he you would never. To me, that's the way to do it. It's like, it's just not, because if you think about it, when you're buying the flashy stuff and you're doing all that, it's like, are you doing that for yourself? Or are you doing that to impress somebody else? You know what I mean? Or are you doing it to impress upon yourself that you've quote unquote made it or whatever? It's like, it doesn't seem like it's very internally motivated for the most part. Um, so for me, it just feels like it would be a distraction. Like, I thought about it because I was like, oh, okay, I'm a developer now. I should get like a fancier car and dress it. And I was doing that for a while. I mean, like um, dressing up different or whatever. And I'm like, and and it was weird because the people I was meeting, I was way overdressed for the way and they see, that's were. The thing. I think, I, yeah. again, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I Well, I yeah. think there is a wrong answer. I think if you're if you're not being authentic, yeah. it's the wrong yeah. thing. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the whole thing. If you're, if, if, if you're dressing in t-shirts and in jeans because that's who you are, are uh, you're being your authentic self, yeah. that's not wrong. If you're dressing in a suit because you're trying to make yourself appear a certain way, that yeah. is wrong. If you're yeah. dressing up in the suit because that's just your authentic self and that's how you perform, yeah. then to me, that's, that's just not wrong. You know what I yeah. mean? It, so it's about like what – and really it's about when you come to decision-making, right? We talked about this. Does it make you money? Does yeah. it make you happy? It's about yeah. in this situation, it's about what makes you happy. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so if, if the person is dressing up in a suit and it makes him feel happy, not because he believes or she believes that, Oh, other people are looking at me and thinking this, it's yeah. just that crisp, you know, that that's just their yeah. mindset. Um, yeah. I, Hey, as long as they're performing, I don't have a problem with it, you know? Um, and then the, the likewise, you know, on the flip side of that, the what, one of the luxuries of being able to be financially independent is you get to decide wh how you dress, right? Yeah, yeah, and true. I think that if you if you force yourself to wear a suit and that's not really who you are, yeah, then you're you're taking yourself out of the zone. You know what I mean? Like you're yeah. you're not you're you're taking yourself out of who you really are, and you're not going to perform better. And to me, that's what it really comes down to: is what puts you in an environment that's going to help you perform better. It's yeah, almost like yeah. the show me your friends show. I'll show you your future type deal. Right. Yeah. Part of that whole philosophy is not just being around people that are going to raise you to a higher level, but it's about putting yourself in an environment um, that increases the probability of your success. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of that is based on feel like yeah. uh, emotion is such such a strong thing when it comes to it success, even yeah. in sports, even yeah. in sports, I can tell you how a fighter felt before they entered the ring or the cage oftentimes determined the outcome of the fight. Yeah. I don't care how good your training camp was. I don't care how good your coach was. I don't care how good your sparring partners were. 
if you're being overwhelmed with fear and you have a lack of confidence going into the cage or to the ring or onto the mat, it's going to it's going to dictate the fight. It's going to ha- it's going to have such a strong. That's why they always say, you know, um, it's much more about the mind than anything than anything else. So I really feel that when you're being authentic, then that's putting your mind in the in in the right place. Because for me, yeah. it does. I, I don't know if it comes back from my old profession, but when I throw on when when I throw on a suit, I just I don't feel like I don't I don't look in the mirror and think to myself wow, people are really going to be like, Mo looks sharp today. I look in the mirror and I say to myself, I look sharp today. And that's <laughs> nice. what matters. I like that. Right? Yeah. That's yeah. what matters right. to me. It's, that's it's, what it's, matters. It's, it's, it's more about me. It's uh, how it makes you feel about yourself. And that's, that's the way yes, to do it. And then I'm like, I'm in the zone. Like I'm ready to yeah. go. Yeah. 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 And it's funny too, because I, I, I thought about it and I realized, okay, I'm meeting people in a smaller town that have a certain mentality. And if I come off as like this rich asshole from Austin, like that's going to do me more harm than good. Um, and, and I just, cause I was like, I need to blend a little bit more. Cause I was just looking at like the, I was meeting people like I'm, I'm overdressed. Like, and this is throwing me off mentally because it's like, I don't, um, I need to convince them. And, and it's true that my intentions are to make this a better place all, all the way around. And, and I feel like I'm doing that, but it's like, you know, when I'm coming in, like start shirt, tucked in, whatever, and everyone immediately is like, gonna read through that. I, I, I think yeah. It, yeah. most, I think a lot of people are very good about reading. You know, back in my old profession, I used to see, um, uh, like I used to, I used to see uh, certain, um, certain police officers. They would try to do these field interviews, <clears throat> and they'd be speaking to someone that was born and bred. Uh, in the street and they spoke a certain way, they thought a certain way, they acted a certain way. And this officer didn't, that wasn't them. And they would try to, so they would try to mimic in order to, you know, create this um, rapport with them, but they would see right through that, right? They would see right through it and they would just be like, man, I don't even want to talk to you. Right. Yeah. If they would have just if they would have just acted like themselves, like, sir, I understand, you know, just been who you, just yeah. be who you are, they would have got yeah. a lot further. Now, on the flip side of that, there were officers that they were born and bred in the street yeah. and they yeah. came up and they decided that they were going to become officers. And so when they got out there in the field and they spoke, they, they were just they were back at home and they spoke and yeah. and it was real. But it always got detected. You know, people's BS meters went off and you yeah. don't want that. So I, I again. I don't even think it's about blending into the small town card. I think you could go to the small town and wear the suit. Yeah. I'm not talking about you. Right. No, no. I'm talking about someone. If that's who they yeah. really are. Yeah. I could be talking to uh, Flo at the yeah. local diner in Temple, and I could be in a suit, and she would yeah. just know that Mo's an authentic person. Yeah. This is who Mo is. He's a good dude. Does yeah. she? As opposed to if I went in there and I was dressed in flip flops and jeans and a shirt. She would probably pick up on the sense that I'm trying to blend in yeah, with yeah. everybody there, yeah. and that's not who I really am. Yeah, and just be real, right? Yeah. And I think yeah. for you, yeah. since the day I met you, you were <laughs> always been laid back, t-shirt, jean, yeah. uh, yeah. flip flops, Starbucks, yeah. Arrow yeah. Gray in one hand, and I think <clears throat> that you can walk yeah. into any environment, whether yeah. it's people with suits or people that are dressed like you. And you're going to come off as authentic and yeah. people buy from who's who they trust, not who's best. Yeah. And I, so yeah. that sure. all comes down to just be be yourself, be who yeah. you are. Yeah. Yeah. This will be a good topic for another <clears throat> another pod, too, in terms of um, something I'm coming to realize more and more. The reality of <clears throat> the role that emotions play in decision making, it's making me start to really um, – like reconsider a lot of my libertarian positions because a lot of my libertarian positions have always been like people acting in their own self-interest, people acting sort of logically, rationally or whatever. And I'm realizing that almost never happens. It's a nice theory, (laughs) but in life it almost never happens. And I'm reading a book right now that's making me really reconsider a lot of my What's the name of the book? Uh, San Francisco. It's by uh, Michael Schellenberger. He wrote another (laughs) book called Apocalypse Never. That, is, um, that book alone 
the, the no, title alone. He, he's an interesting guy because he, he will talk about this when I finish it, but he was um, like in Greenpeace. He was like ultra left, very, very liberal guy um, wanting to make, I think genuinely wanting to make the world a better place. And then he started looking at the results of a lot of the policies that he was supporting. And he's like, I don't think these are helping. I think these are actually making the situation worse. What is, what are more effective policies? And I think he comes across as very genuine. He actually ran for uh, governor of California this past election cycle, but he ran as an independent. And at some point he probably just ran out of money and was just like, this is never going to happen in the California in the, you know, the two party system. So he dropped out of the race, but, um, He's a very interesting guy. He's a lot of interesting solutions to stuff. And he really, um, I think it takes balls to be like, I thought this way, I was wrong, but I still believe in the intention of what I had, but here's how I think the intention could happen better. Yeah, you almost never see that. Yeah, you don't see that very often. So, so yeah, um, but that'll be another pod. We will do that another one because I think we have done some good things on this one. And I think we should, Throw that microphone down. Oh, the mic has been dropped. To check out this episode or to re-listen to our past episodes, go to the Jiu-Jitsu of Life. Check us out on Apple iTunes. Like, review, subscribe. Shout out to Robles, makers of the world's finest custom Jiu-Jitsu apparel. Nobody can be you better than you. Be authentic. Robles. Also check out Yellow Pine Investments. Check out Quantum Leap Web Design for all your web design needs. As always, I am Mo. That is my brother, Carter Fisk. And as always, we wish you guys... Nothing but the best, both on and off the mat. Thanks for listening. Thank you, guys. That's it for this episode of the Jiu-Jitsu of Life. Your hosts are Carter Fisk and Mo Siddiqui. This podcast is brought to you by Rulebliss, makers of the world's finest custom jiu-jitsu apparel. You can subscribe to the Rulebliss newsletter to get the exclusive content at rulebliss.com. You can find more episodes of this show on our website at thejujitsuoflife.com. And you can subscribe to us at Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we wish you a great week, both on and off the mat. <laughs>